He's Greg. I'm Nick. You know who we are. It's the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast with Nick Cattles, brought to you by FanDuel, exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. And right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. Greg Bedard, there were lots of Patriots fans out there that wanted change, and they specifically wanted change to this offensive staff. And whether or not this is going to work or fail, I don't know. But there has certainly been lots of change. So let's take a look at this staff. We'll go through each name. Now, of course, we've talked a lot about the Alex Van Pelts of the world and the Ben McAdoos. We'll spend less time on them and some more time on the newer names that we haven't necessarily discussed here. But we all know Gerard Mayo, head coach, talked enough about him. Alex Van Pelt. I feel like we've talked enough about him. Do you agree, Greg? I agree. Okay. Ben McAdoo, I feel the same way. So let's start with the two new names that we found out yesterday. Wide receivers coach, Tyler Hughes, former offensive assistant for the Patriots for a few years, went to Washington last year, quality control coach. What's interesting there, of course, is you've got Penix, you've got Adunze, you've got McMillan, maybe some future Patriots, depending on how the draft falls. But Hughes went to Washington last year. He's back now this season as the wide receivers coach, Greg. Your thoughts on Tyler Hughes? So this is probably one of my big worry spots, um, Nick. As we've seen in the past um, with Troy Brown, who apparently is going to remain on the staff, we'll have to see how that works out. And, boy, wasn't that freaking confusing Mm. about the way they announced this. Yeah. They're like, what did they say? Earlier this month, the Patriots announced three new coordinators. And today, 17 new additions to Coach Mayo's staff. How about we just announce the staff? And if you don't know what they're doing, just say, to be determined. Like, how hard is that? Um, Again, but to defend the Patriots PR staff, um, I don't think they've had to send out a release about coaching changes in about 20 years or maybe more uh, because Belichick used to not announce these and we just have to find out by the media guide. So at least this is a step forward. But um, back to Hughes. This is probably one of my biggest worries on the staff uh, from this perspective. We expect, and we don't know what offense they're really going to run. Is it going to be true West Coast offense, more like Mike McCarthy? Is it going to be more Kevin Stefanski, where Van Pelt was previously? Is it going to be a marriage of the two? You know, what have you. But in any event, I, I don't think it really changes that in the West Coast-based system, which even Stefanski is. Precision on the part of the wide receivers is paramount. Now, that's not to say we all know that precision was important with the Patriots, especially when Tom Brady was here, because if guys didn't do things the right way, they got iced out by Tom. Um, it's it, it's similar, but it's different because in in this, they're yeah, you're going to have some option routes somewhat built into this, but really, this new offense that they're going to run is basically like run the route that's on the paper. Like it's all predicated on spacing and this and that and anticipating the defense, but really you're going to run the route on there. And the West Coast offense, and what's funny is I just went back and I reread the story that I did when I was at the MMQB on the Bill Walsh coaching tapes where I went to the 49ers and I watched hours of Bill Walsh talking to the team, talking to the offense, things like that. He was one of the first to record all of these. So I watched a bunch of it and the precision, and and it all comes from that. It all comes from Bill Walsh. 
the precision that Bill Walsh used to talk about in terms of everything from blockers, like which which side of the defender do you want your head on on this play or on this running play? It is absolutely precise. Every every step matters. And so if it's a if it's a 12 yard button hook, it better be 12 yards. Yeah. It can't be 12 and a half. It can't be 11 and a half or else things get thrown off. So, you know, Tyler Hughes, I, look, I, I, I talked with him um, a little bit, you know, in, in generalities when the assistants were, were available to us last time I was here. Very nice guy, very sharp guy. I do think he has a lot of potential as a coach, but he doesn't have much of a background. I mean, he was an analyst here, low level here. Even at the University of Washington, he was quality control. That's the lowest that you can get on the coaching staff. So um, this is a really green coach in a really important position. Uh, I will say I like that Taekwon Underwood is here with him as an assistant coach. I like the depth of the coaching staff, yeah. the size of the coaching staff, yep. especially in key places like the offensive line, wide receivers. I do think that Ben McAdoo is a guy who can float in his role as senior offensive assistant. So if Hughes needs help, if the wide receivers need help, um, I think that McAdoo's a guy that can help that do can help them do that along with Alex Van Pelt. But I will say this is probably my biggest worry on the coaching staff. I understand the worry. And I, I was surprised by the lack of experience for the wide receivers coach. Honestly, I was. I, I thought they might go out and get somebody who had done it for a number of years. However, and this kind of falls in line with the rest of the staff. I'm going to put this out on Front Street. Couldn't care less how anybody feels. This is all opinions. After looking at this staff overall, I actually believe that this comes across, at least to me, as a well-thought-out plan. And I know there's this narrative out there, and, and there are people saying, you know, Mayo and Wolf pretty much walked into this thing blindfolded, which I find to be hilarious. But I'll tell you part of why I think this seems well-thought-out. They've got coverage everywhere. They've got coverage everywhere, Greg. And what I mean by that is if Alex Van Pelt doesn't work out as a play caller, boom, you can go to McAdoo. If Tyler Hughes is, is maybe struggling a little bit, you've got Underwood, but you also have the tight ends coach that I want to bring up, and, and that's Bob Bicknell, who's a local guy from Massachusetts. He has mm -hmm. a buttload of experience working with wide receivers. Yep. He was a wide receivers coach for Baylor, Wide, wide receivers coach in the NFL from 2012 to 2016, worked with Alex Van Pelt on the Cincinnati staff. He was their wide receivers coach from 18 to 20. He was a senior offensive assistant for the Saints, 22 and 23. So when I look at this staff, and maybe you disagree, but what I really like about this staff is the mix of young and experienced guys. And, and when you look at this, you've got Bicknell, who can help Hughes. You've got McAdoo, who can help Alex Van Pelt, because he's only done it for one year back in 2009. And then you've supplemented, Greg, the experience with, I think, a, a really good solid layer of underneath younger coaches with potential. T.C. McCartney, quarterback's coach. Robert Kugler, the assistant O-Lions coach. Giardi was, was praising him, and so was Evan Lazar. You look at some of the younger guys they have on Taylor Embry is another young guy from the Jets, the running's back, running backs coach. I think they've done a really good job of, hey, we're going to take some swings with young potential coaches, develop them, but we're also going to have a safety net with some of these older, experienced cats on the staff as well. 
I think that's a that's a good point. It's a valid point. I do like um, the mix of experience. It does, you know. For example, um, Scott Peters, the who's the head offensive line coach, um, not really that experienced. Um, got passed over by the Browns to succeed Bill Callahan, who he had learned under for four years. Yep. But then they go and get Kugler, who. Um, from everybody that I've talked to in the league, they rave about him and his potential. And while he doesn't have a ton of experience, um, he, he's still an up and comer. I mean, more of a guy that, that you would be talking about is Tom Quinn, who you get Jeremy Springer as the, the special teams coach yep. and Tom Quinn, the special teams assistant coach has a ton of experience. Right. Um, um, Alex Van Pelt hasn't called plays, but Ben McAdoo has and he's been a head coach so I get what you're saying there I I do just want to make a point that the way I feel about this coaching staff overall especially the offensive staff is I and this is not to counter anything that you've said Nick but just my feeling on this is this is not really the direction their ideal direction um, when Gerard Mayo took over I think they sort of settled on Alex Van Pelt but be that as it may I do like, since they decided to go with Alex Van Pelt, I've really liked what they've done with the staff in terms of, like we've talked about before, alignment, experience. These guys all speak the same same language, yep. or at least most of them. All of them have tremendous reputations. They're very professional, very good at their job. And so in that regard, I feel a lot better about where they ended up um, than you know, maybe how it looked during the process. I agree with you as far as alignment. And that's another reason why I I think they clearly had a plan and did they execute the plan 100% the way they wanted to? No, I I think Zach Robinson was very high on the list. If not the top guy on the Mm -hmm. list, he goes to Atlanta because of Raheem Morris. You and I had our back and forth on Nick Cayley. We don't have to do it again. I, I look at, you know, the coaches and I say, well, you know, is that settling or were they forced to settle? And the Kaylee financial thing and the Robinson to Atlanta thing with the Raheem Morris connection, I think those are their top two, their top two candidates. And they missed on those guys. And I think they pivoted to Alex Van Pelt. And I've heard uh, multiple people say this. I think Burt was one of them. Uh, I, I believe that Phil Perry might have been one of them that said, you know, the original idea of this offensive staff was Alex Van Pelt was going to be the Ben McAdoo. And then as things changed, they pivoted and they said, well, maybe we go with AVP as the OC and we bring McAdoo in above him. So if that's how it played out, and I can only go off of what people are reporting. I mean, I'm not sitting there knocking on Robert Kraft's door to get the inside intel here. If that's how it worked out, they wanted Robinson. Robinson said, Sorry, I'm going with Raheem Morris. He's my guy going to Atlanta. The Kaylee financial thing doesn't work out. Then they pivot to Van Pelt and they say, we can bring McAdoo above him. And then let's start going younger underneath those guys in case we have to develop somebody for the future. Like I, I, that makes sense to me. I'm not telling you that it's mm-hmm. going to work. I'm not, I, I can't tell you it's going to fail because none of us know. But just looking at the thought process, it makes sense. That they were they were interviewing guys from the very beginning. Zach Robinson was one of the first, if not the first, interviews we heard about. They were interviewing guys from this West Coast offense, and that's a big umbrella, Greg, as you know. I mean, we're talking McVeigh, we're talking Shanahan, we're talking Kubiak, we're talking McCarthy, all different iterations of it. 
But so I, I you know, I think it, it just kind of makes sense to me on the outside looking in of how all this came together. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree. All right, let's jump to the uh, the defensive side quickly. Uh, a lot of a lot of continuity, a lot of continuity, which you and I both anticipated. Demarcus Covington bumped to DC, uh, and then you've got Pellegrino coming back, Brian Belichick coming back. We knew that Dante Hightower, inside linebackers coach, Jerry Montgomery had been talked about. I don't think you and I discussed Drew Wilkins yet, and then we got a couple of young guys that were also added to the staff. But let's look at Drew Wilkins. From what I understand, Greg, I don't know how much information you have on him, but from what I understand, Wilkins worked heavily with the blitz packages in Baltimore. He obviously has a history with Matthew Judon. Uh, anything else to add about Drew Wilkins, new outside linebackers coach? Uh, not really, other than like I like um, you know where he came out of. I mean, outside linebackers coach under Wink Martindale, who I'm pretty sure that's who he was under with the Giants. Um, and I think he might have been with Wink in Baltimore. Um, that's that's a very blitz heavy package, and I will say. Um, to sort of relate this to something else and um, that we're going to talk about, you know, real quick, but you know, the decision to move on from Lawrence guy, and we've heard some talk, I think um, DeMarcus Covington did some interview, one of those quickie inter those exclusive interviews with Patriots.com where they basically hinted that they are they're tweaking the scheme and they're going to become more aggressive, probably more along the lines of what Brian Flores did. So, you know, hallelujah, maybe even a little bit different. But um, in terms of amping up the pressure packages, I think Drew Wilkins, having been under Wink Martindale, who's one of the heaviest blitzers in the league, uh, that's a really good thing. Yeah, Matthew Judon, Radio Row, also said that he oh. expects this defense to be more aggressive. A couple of young guys, not a lot on them. Uh, Vinny De Palma, who played, I believe, at Boston College. Right out of college, she's jumping out of the staff. Quality control on the defensive side. Uh, Jamal Lett, also another young guy that's coming in uh, to be a quality control coach. So, again, you, you kind of see this, this experience with a layer of youth potential underneath that as you develop those young guys. I, I like, and I believe you you agree with this, Greg, I like the idea, though, you've got a lot of experience on the front when you've got, you know, Covington and you've got Montgomery and you've got, you know, Mayo and Wilkins. But to be able to continue to roll with Pellegrino and Belichick, who have they, go, uh, they have a good relationship of working together. I just like that they marry the front and the back end. Yeah, um, you know, I I will say continuing on the theme of experience and, and what have you, you know, Dante Hightower inside linebackers you know, that's, that's a bit of a, a worry. And that's in general with any player, any ex player entering the realm of coaching. Right. Um, you just never know. Some of them are great. Some of them aren't so great. Like, I mean, we all know that Dante Hightower was an extremely smart player. Um, I think uh, he ups the intimidation factor on, on the sidelines. I mean, you know, Mayo, Jerry Montgomery, and uh, Dante Hightower, pretty imposing, if, if that counts for anything. <laughs> um, so, but, you know, look, Troy Brown was among the smartest players you've ever seen, and I don't, from what I understand, he's not that great of a coach, right. at least at wide receivers. Maybe he does a better job, you know, with returners if they ever return kicks in today's NFL. Um, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not loving retaining Pellegrino, 
But if it's the purview of the head coach, it's his defense, you know, what have you. Also on Hightower, Mayo's there. If Hightower's not, you know, running at 100 miles an hour, Mayo's there to help him out. So, you know, and and Wilkins has experience at a bunch of different positions. Um, You know, I I don't love Pellegrino retaining him, but Gerard's worked with him. He knows. He obviously thinks he does a good job. He knows a hell of a lot more about this than I do. So I guess I got to, I will uh, defer on that. But yeah, I think, I think you're right. I mean, again, another side of the ball that has alignment. And of course, I'm excited about Demarcus Covington getting the shot at defensive coordinator. And the CYA thing, as you just mentioned, you've got Mayo to back up Hightower unless High, you know, if Hightower is a disaster. It's the idea, again, of having somebody in place for the newbie that'll be able to kind of help guide that person along in case they're struggling. Pellegrino to me, I mean, I look at the secondary number of guys that have improved, gotten better under his watch. And I even think a guy like Alex Austin showed some flashes last year towards the tail end. So, but his work sure. with Miles Bryant and some of the other guys, I could see them holding on to him and that making some sense. Uh, a special teams, look, not a ton of thought, right? Jeremy Springer, you did mention right. Tom Quinn, which I think is is another smart COIA hire. This is somebody who, you know, was with the Giants special teams from like 06 to 21. He's been in the league for a long time, coaching special teams. So that helps. And the other note, I guess you can throw out there, two of them. Kobe Tippett, Andre Tippett's son, gets a spot on the staff, quality control. He'll also be an assistant on special teams. And Deron Mayo, who had been the assistant strength coach, uh, is now going to be the head strength coach. Any thoughts on those two guys or just, you know, quick little note about their history? So I have no problem with uh, sort of like a nepotism hire at like, you know, quality control and, and stuff like that. Um, the Duran Mayo hiring, um, he has a really good reputation. Uh, I have no reason to think that he won't be good at his job. He's been experienced. He's been here for a long time. Um, I do worry a little bit about not having a separation of church and state between the strength coach and the head coach uh, in this regard, like normally in athletics and, and, you know, I will say Moses Cabrera, who was there, everybody knew he was closely aligned with Bill Belichick. Again, I think that's part of the reason why he's, he's not back. Um, and I don't think he was crazy about um, the whole bill situation and the whole situation at the end of last year. I think he was one of those guys who didn't like what was going on, but you just worry about, um, a little bit, and I'm not saying this is a huge worry, and I'm not saying this is going to happen, but a lot of times those strength coaches are f- for players, and again, because of the Cabrera experience with Belichick, um, maybe it's not an issue in New England, but normally in other places, those strength coaches are sort of confidants of the players. They're working with the players to help them. I don't think that players normally love a strength coach going being so closely aligned to the head coach where um, – you know, they might be quote unquote ratting them out to the head coach. But uh, again, I don't know how the Patriots are aligned. I can just tell you from, from other places, um, they, the players have a lot of um, confidence in, in that strength coach and, and they have their own special relationship. And it just, sometimes it gets a little bit messy when the strength coach is closely aligned with the head coach. It's interesting with the background. Let's not forget Mayo's introductory press conference when he was asked about, you know, the team and the culture and all of that, 
one of the first things, if not the first thing he said was it starts in the weight room. And I think that's pretty interesting. Now that he's got his he's got his brother in the weight room running it, and Gerard told us all it starts there. So you have to imagine Mayo will have a focus on that side of the program and has his brother in that spot. It's just an interesting thing. Get buckets with your first bet on FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because right now new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. That's 150 bucks if your bet wins. Bet on all your favorite NBA players and teams with quick bets, live same-game parlays, exclusive props, and more. Just visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and shoot your shot. FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NBA. 21 plus and present in mass. Hope is here. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued at non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com, gamblinghelplinema.org, or call 1-800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start, gamesensema.com, or call 1-800-GAM-1234. You mentioned Troy Brown earlier, Greg. Uh, just kind of your thoughts on his story. I mean, he, he was wide receivers coach, as we know. He is going to reportedly, Doug Kite had this first, and then Mark Daniels. Uh, jumped on it as well. He is expected to return to the staff. Title is TBD. What are they going to do with Troy Brown? Uh, Troy Brown is an institution around here. He's been here forever. He's been with the team forever. His family's here. I have um, no problem with him sticking around as, as sort of a legacy person because I do think that's important. You know, he's a guy who's won Super Bowl titles and, and I think um, he has something to give. It'll be interesting to see if uh, if he continues, you know, on the coaching staff. As but he could just do returners, um, help out with special teams. He could be uh, sort of like a senior offensive assistant, or you know, he could move into um, what's the term called? Uh, it's like player relations. Um, even though I wouldn't be surprised to see Matthew Slater do that. That was something he and I talked about after. Um, the bald dude went to the Texans. What was his name? Jack Easterby, <laughs> <laughs> the bald crazy guy. Um, you parked the car. Um, anyways, <laughs> when Easterby left, Slater and I were it, it had talked about that. It, whether that's something that that kind of role interested in, it, it, if he had interest in that, and he said absolutely. So maybe we see Slater um, transition into that, but. Um, I think it's a, I think it's a wise move. I think the offensive staff just needed a fresh start, and um, with a new scheme, new new coaches, fresh start. All right, you just mentioned his name. We might as well jump to him, and then get to some of the other on the field stuff that happened. But first, Matthew Slater officially retires this morning. Greg, I don't think any of us were surprised by the retirement, but just a, a final word about Slater, his career, and and kind of what he's been about during his time here in Foxborough. Yeah. Um, not a surprise. We figured this was coming. And actually for two years, we've been um, talking about him in, in sort of this respect. And it was a little bit of a surprise that he came back for one more run. Um, you know, I'll just sort of share with you what I've, I told him um, just me and him one-on-one -on -one, um, at the end of each of the last two seasons, I just told them, I said, um, um, Matthew, I just wanted to say it, it has been my complete honor to cover you. Um, 
during your career. Um, you're up there with um, all of the greats that I've covered during my career um, with three different teams. And, you know, I wish you nothing but, but the best. And, and, you know, he said something along the lines of, you know, thanks, Greg, that, that really means a lot. And so um, he absolutely um, probably the best person I've ever covered. And uh, among the best football players, hall of famers, guys who have gone on to the hall of fame um, to me, without question, he will go into the hall of fame at some point and he's just um the epitome of class he's per to me he was perfection as a football player yeah one of if not the best special teams player that you know has played the game certainly in the last couple of you know decades he is right there at the top of the list i never got to meet matthew slater you know personally and have a conversation with him but you you're not going to find anyone that will say a crossword about matthew slater certainly seems like somebody who is uh, a genuine, really, really good human being. He was a fantastic leader for this team, and I think that really speaks volumes that a guy on special teams had such a leadership position with the football team, tells you how those guys felt about him. So, you know, Godspeed to Matthew. Don't know if he's going to coach, don't know what he's going to do, but I, I feel like we can guarantee whatever that next step is is going to be a successful one because of who he is, how he lives his life, and how people tend to follow him. So, Shout out to Matthew Slater. All right, let's talk about a couple of other guys that will not be in Foxborough next year, Greg, at least not as Patriots. Uh, Lawrence Guy, let's start with him. Guy was released yesterday. Yeah, I thought he had another good season. Is he? Um, has he lost a step? Um, yes, but in terms of what he did for the Patriots offense, taking up blockers, I think he was still really good at the job that he did. To, to me, this was more about economics. Um, Lawrence Guy did not like playing for $4 million last year. Um, he certainly was not going to like playing for $3.5 million this year, and the team wasn't going to do anything and readily give him a raise. So uh, a divorce um, makes a lot of sense. I hope he lands on a contender because I still think he has good football in front of him. I am worried about the Patriots on the interior right now. Devon Godshaw is really the only run stuffer on the interior and don't love him um, as a player. And who knows how long, you know, he keeps going. He has a tendency to get beat up as well. Uh, all the guys do at that position, guys like Daniel Ekawale and Sam Roberts. And there's somebody else I'm forgetting. Barmore. They, those guys are pardon Barmore. Well, they, there was one other oh, Jeremiah backup Farms? guy, but your guy, Jeremiah Farms. Yes. Jeremiah, <laughs> Jeremiah, but, Jeremiah was a bullfrog farms. Um, those guys are not run stuffers. Now, as we talked about during the season, Christian Barmore took a big step forward in terms of playing the run. So he now becomes an every down defender in my eyes without question. And again, I think this is an indication that the Patriots are going to more of a gap penetrating scheme instead of gap hole, you know, hold up, holding up gaps. So, um, it seems like they're moving more towards quickness and making plays and being more aggressive. Um, so we'll uh, we'll have to see how that works out. Adrian Phillips also released yesterday. And I don't think many of us are surprised by Phillips getting released. He played like 13% of the snaps last year, mostly on special teams. But I do want to ask you this. Um, when you look at the safety depth chart now, Greg, Jalen Mills, quasi-safety, uh, free agent, Kyle Duggar, obviously, free agent. Right now, the only safeties on this roster, Joshua Bledsoe, who was an exclusive rights free agent, and, of course, 
the badass Jabril Peppers, who I think all of us love. He's got another year left on his deal, thank God. Um, but is, does this make it more likely that Duggar could be tagged? Probably. Um, you know, if, if I had to predict, um, due to this being Gerard Mayo's team and his defense and that the defense is going to have to be lights out if this team has any hopes of competing um, this upcoming season, then, yeah, I probably think that Duggar gets tagged. I mean, I'm not crazy about that, and we might get into that a little bit more. But about the safety group, like, I, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with map. A lot of this depends on what they think about map yeah. and where they think they're going to play. We know that the previous coaching staff, what they did with him. Um, do we get an indication from that? I don't know. I mean, are they telling Mapu to maybe you know cut some weight and be more of a free safety, or they want him to bulk up this offseason and be a linebacker? But to me, in a vacuum from what we've seen of the three players, like I think, I think Bledsoe's like ready to play. I thought he took a big step forward in training camp in the preseason last year. Um, Peppers, we know, is in the box. Um, Bledsoe can can he fill Kyle Duggar's role? Somewhat, I think that he can. And Mapu, maybe the free safety, or maybe they do something else. Maybe they sign somebody. Um, but to me, those three, I'm okay going forward with them and not having Duggar. But we'll have to see what they decide. It's a good point with Mapu. I mean, it just might be my own selfishness. I have him at linebacker. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. but, you know, maybe he does play safety. All right, somebody else who was bit ado, Trent Brown, uh, his contract, Voided yesterday, uh, no extension for him. Does this mean that he's gone, Greg, or, or is the door still kind of open for maybe him to return? Happy trails <laughs> to you. Um, Until we meet. It's a good again. question. <laughs> I I think that he's gone. I think that uh, I think Mayo, and I don't know if he talked about this specifically, but I think one of his charges was. Um, changing the culture and to me I don't care how bad you are off at tackle I'm not having Trent Brown back I'm just uh, I'm not I'm I'm looking for any guys that could be downers who you know where you're questioning their commitment to the team at any point which we did every single season that Trent Brown was here other than his first under Dante Scarnecchia I'm not putting that on another coaching staff I'm not having Scott Peters and Robert Kugler (laughs) have to you know, babysit 360 pound Trent Brown, like just, just move on and figure it the F out of tackle. Hey, Scott and, and Coogs, congratulations on the new gigs. Uh, your, your, your first day gift, Trent Brown, make it work. What really? All right. We got more on, uh, the offensive line. Cause I want to ask Greg about Michael Wenu in a minute, but first, uh, this episode brought to you by FanDuel, exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. Brown is gone. Owenu, does that make him much more important to this plan, Greg? I think so. I mean, I don't know how you feel about it, Nick, but I, I look at this team and I've been going over the you know franchise tag stuff. Um, it's it's cheaper to, to tag Kyle Duggar. It's $16.2 million. For the offensive line, it's one tag. So you get basically grouped in with tackle, which is basically it's basically $20 million. Um, that sounds like a lot, and I'm sure a lot of people would be like, that's a lot for a player who really prefers to play guard. But in my mind, <clears throat> you know, Kyle Duggar is going to be 28 
in a few weeks. Um, he's he's about at his ceiling at this point. Um, Sixteen point two million would be within. I think it's top three or four at the safety position. Sorry, he's not worth that. Now, Michael Wenu at right tackle, it would be top three or four, and and you know guard as well. To me, you can make a much more uh, convincing argument that you know because I think it's Lane Johnson at right tackle, and then um, the guy who signed with uh, he signed this past off season from the Jaguars. Um, I think with the Chiefs, he he was freaking terrible. Oh, oh, is what, a better Taylor? Player. Is it Taylor? What's his name? Yeah, 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 yeah. Juwan Taylor. Um, he's second on the list, and at, at least I know this team is not going anywhere offensively if they if they're not better. If they're and we've heard Van Pelt say that he wants to run the ball, that he thinks that that's important. Um, to me, if you put if you put money into Michael Wenu, you know, and it gives you flexibility. You know, say you get a tackle, say the most likely scenario is them getting a tackle in the second round. That tackle comes in. You're hoping that, okay, maybe he could play left tackle at some point. But normally you develop a, a rookie tackle, especially the way the college game and the NFL game and how these guys are crap shows in, in, in terms of development. Put him at right tackle. And if he swims, then Michael Wenu kicks inside to right guard, his normal right guard position. City So can, and Cole Strange can compete for left guard, depending on when Cole Strange is coming back from um, from his injury, from his surgery. You have David Andrews and Jake Andrews at center. And then left tackle, you invest there. Say you go get a Jonah Williams from the Bengals, a guy who's experienced. Now you look at that and you're like, okay, that's something to work with on the offensive line. You know, in, in, in the short term, while we're trying to build things from the ground up, without Michael Wenu, I don't know. I think it gets really dicey. So to me, the the best value for the Patriots in terms of uh, rebuilding the program on the offense and starting with the offensive line and protecting possibly a rookie quarterback or giving a giving him a ground game that can, you know, not put a whole lot of weight on his shoulders, sort of like Tom Brady when he took over. You know, as we've seen in the dynasty, um, you know how important defense and running game, and to me. Michael Wenu gives you a chance at that. If you don't have that, um, it gets pretty iffy and could go downhill quickly. Yeah, me, you, simpatico when it comes to a Wenu and the franchise tag. I, I totally agree with you. Uh, Hunter Henry is going to be a little bit more pricey because of his certain situation and the specifics around his contract yep. and all that. Uh, I think he could be well, upwards of like 16, 18 million, whatever it is. So that, it's, it's, it's over 18 million yeah, so that, for, that's, for Hunter Henry because it's 120% of – his $15 million contract. There you go. So there it is. So, I mean, that's too that's too pricey for Hunter. And Owenu, I, yeah. I just think to try to solidify this offensive line is so crucial, and that's the first step to me. Uh, speaking of franchise tags, Baker Mayfield, he's not going to be tagged by Tampa. Greg, are you interested in Baker? I would say my interest level is um, I'm checking in. I'm checking in to see what the market is. I'm monitoring the market and seeing where that is and then putting that into the Elliott Wolf supercomputer and seeing where that comes out at the end of the day. I mean, is he $20 million a year? Is he 35? Is he 40? Obviously, on the high end, I'm not interested in that. I mean, I'd rather 
you know, new coaching staff, if you believe in this coaching staff and McAdoo and all these guys and TC McCartney, um, I want to get, I want to get a rookie quarterback at number three, um, put him into the program. If he's got to sit, he's got to sit. I'm, I'm signing a guy like Jacoby Brissett, who's been with Alex Van Pelt. Um, you know, Gardner Minshew's a guy that I would be interested in. Tyrod Taylor, um, you know, some sort of placeholder help the rookie. I'm more interested in that than spending a lot of money on you know, Baker Mayfield. I think he'd be fine. I think he'd be he'd be fine in the scheme. He has a history with Van Pelt, but I, I just really want to start fresh and start the process. And if I think that the quarterback available at number three has a good potential to be a franchise quarterback, I'm doing that. I'm going to stay consistent with all of this. I don't. I don't want to dismiss anybody's opinion, right? Opinions are opinions. But to me, mm-hmm. it is so clear. If you love the quarterback that's going to be sit there, be sitting there at three, take the quarterback. I don't. I just don't think there's another option to me that is super duper uber enticing. If you love the guy and you believe he can be a franchise QB one for the next 10 to 15 years, you take that guy 10 times out of 10 times. You don't go tackle. You don't go receiver. You don't overthink it. It's the most important position in the league. It's the most important position in all of professional sports in this country. If you love Daniels in May, then you make the pick. What's interesting, Greg, and I talked about this, and so I won't go too deep into it. You can check out the Nick Cattle Show podcast if you want all of my thoughts on Baker. But what's interesting is, of course, free agency hits before the draft. So the Patriots, they don't have to just love one of the quarterbacks. They've got to love all of the quarterbacks. Because if you don't love all of the quarterbacks, the top three I'm talking about, and you get, quote-unquote, stuck with Jaden Daniels or Drake May, and you didn't sign Baker to upgrade at that position, then you probably screwed the pooch. So you've got to be, like, all in on both Daniels and May to dismiss the idea, the notion of Baker Mayfield. Yep. So that yep. that's, Hey, can I, can I just mention one thing real quick? Sure. Um, it's somewhat not really breaking news, but I just noticed it. So the Rams have uh, uh, announced their coaching staff. Nick Cayley's new title with the Rams is tight ends coach slash pass game coordinator. So that's a nice little promotion for him. And normally those pass game coordinator guys under Sean McVay, they start getting uh, head coach interviews. So I just, since we've talked a lot about Kaylee in that situation. Yeah, and maybe, look, we, we, we paid so much attention to the financial part of it. I don't think we respected the Rams part of it. And, right. uh, y- you know, this is. Kaylee looks at it and says, hey, man, <laughs> I don't want to be an offensive coordinator. Why be an offensive coordinator when I might be able to make the jump to head coach with another year or two? <laughs> exactly. So, uh, let me carry let me carry Sean McVay's clubs for, for a couple of years. <laughs> it worked for Brian Callahan. It worked for Mike McDaniel, these other guys under these yep. other, you know, offenses with with that system you know, under the under that tree. Maybe I just take a shot, go stay in LA. My family loves it. The weather's warm. I'm gonna get a pay bump. I'm gonna get a promotion, and I'm gonna get a, a, an easier path to a head coach gig. Okay. I'm going back to LA. All right, let's look at the pick though, Greg. The number three pick should be in play. Uh, there are a lot of rumors and innuendo being thrown out there. Of course, the combine is next week. A lot of this stuff will pick up next week. So get ready for the smoke screens. But a a lot is being said about the pick. A lot of value at the number three pick. Would you trade down? That's my first question to you. 
I would entertain it, depending on my evaluation of the quarterback, which you talk about. That's that's paramount. Yep. Um, if you have any uh, hesitation on the quarterback available at three, then I'm listening and I'm and I'm driving because it's a quarterback. It's going to be a premium trade, so I'm talking multiple first round picks, um, you know, and, and quite a substantial haul. But yes, um, I'm listening and evaluating. How far are you willing to drop? Because I, I have a a opinion, an opinion on this that I'm, I'm steadfast on. But how far are you willing to drop to drop down the board? So, um, I'm I'm afraid that the Broncos and Sean Payton are going to be extremely horny <laughs> to jump up. Um, <laughs> that would be number twelve. Uh, oh, if I'm dropping to twelve. It's got to be a, a godfather offer for that pick. And I, I am listening. I mean, you know, it, 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 it's got to be something uh, substantial. I can't, I don't have specifics right now, but it's got to be something that blows me away. Ideally, I would consider dropping down to six, the Giants, seven, Titans, eight, Falcons. I would say the Falcons at eight are the most likely scenario. Me and you feel exactly the same way. I am not dropping any further beyond eight. Why? Mm -hmm. Because look at the offensive players in this draft. If you drop to 11, say Minnesota, 12, Denver, 13, Vegas, you're going to miss out. Uh, If you're sitting at eight, you are guaranteed one of the three quarterbacks or the two top offensive tackles, which many would tell you would be Alton Fashanu, or the top three receivers, that we're talking about with yep. Harrison, Neighbors, and Adunze. I want one of those guys on this football team for 2024. I want one of them. If I if I drop down to 12 and miss out on all of them, I mean, maybe I'd change my mind, Greg, like you said, if it was an offer that just blew the shorts off and you're like, oh, my God, how can you turn that down? But I do not want to go anything below the eighth pick with the Falcons. All right, don't forget to check out BSJ, 50 bucks for the year, Bedard, Giardi, all of the Patriots coverage. They do a great job, of course, and the rest of the staff there, 50 bucks for the year. Quickie question. Uh, takeaways from the first two dynasty episodes, Greg. So if people have listened to me on, it seems like I've done a lot of TV in the past week since this started. Uh, they pretty much know my opinion, but um, quickly, because also my computer's about to oh. die. I don't know why, <laughs> but all of a sudden I'm burning a lot of energy. Um, first of all, I think Pat- Patriots fans will love it. It's fantastic. I think the, Editing, direction, uh, I think it's all top-notch. It's as good as any 30 for 30, the best 30 for 30s that you've seen. Um, I do have a problem with the timing of all of this. I would, my goal as a journalist, documentary snob, football snob, I want the definitive telling of the Patriots dynasty. And to me, you can't do that until Brady and Belichick are in the Hall of Fame. They're secure. A lot of things are they have the they had the benefit of time. To me, I think this is unfair to Bill Belichick to ask him to do this last offseason when a lot of crap was going on with the crafts. I think this is a total craft production aimed to get Robert Kraft into the Hall of Fame. We're gonna see him take a lot of credit. I've not watched beyond the first two episodes, but um, this is my belief, including the whole thing's owned and copyrighted by Kraft Dynasty LLC, not Patriots Dynasty LLC. Um, but 
I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's great entertainment. I just, I have some certain nitpicks about all of this. Speaking of time, we're out of it. He's Greg. I'm Nick. We'll talk to you later in the week. Greg Bedard, Patriots Podcast with Nick Cattle.